Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. This episode is sponsored by Polymorph Crafts. Visit polymorphcrafts.com to learn about their high-quality, compact, and affordable tabletop accessories. Distinguished adventurers last time on Dungeon Drunks. Everyone's level nine! Yay! That means Bernie gets a visit from her goddess to talk about the serious responsibilities of being able to raise the dead and the necessity for her to find the components needed to cast such an important spell. Carlton surprises his friends with a foosball table that he bought and put in the pocket house. Jonathan brings the cursed sword to the watchful order to be examined and pledges to do whatever they need to help make the world a better place. Travancore shares a meaningful healing moment with Bernie, then head off to the gnomish enclave to try and get more answers about the strange medallion they took from Evelyn. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren, also known as Obo Crazy. And for tonight, I just have some Jack Daniels and honey. I do have water with me too, so I'm not just drinking Jack Daniels, but I'm keeping it simple because it actually got warm today, and so I just wanted something cool. Bernie, what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, a beer I've had on the show before. It's by Kitchissippi Beer Company, and it's uh, the Commissariat, and it's pretty awesome. It's named after the building I work in. Hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, the, oh, that's sweet. The museum is in the oldest stone building in Ottawa, and it's it's almost impossible to have a building that is in the city proper uh, that's older than this building, because this building was built for the building of the canal, and Ottawa is here because of the canal. So yeah, it's uh there's a couple farmhouses cuz there's some farmland here a little like in the area that are like 18 earlier 1820s maybe 1810s but yeah, uh the commissary building was built in 1827. You can go in it today if you live in Ottawa. It's a really cool cool awesome museum and the beer is really good. Like I'm so good. I got one for Steven and he drank his during dinner and I sort of drank some of it too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as you enjoy your beer, Travancore, what are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is Pacifico. Now, I've heard people turn their noses up at Pacifico. This is my wife's like go-to choice beer. Like I prefer it to uh, to something like Corona. It's uh, you know, typical, you know, Mexican beer, good for beach, good for summer. If you want a conversation about authenticity versus liking what you like, you should check out Ugly Ugly Delicious on Netflix. The first episode is all about like how authenticity, the whole, like, quest for that is ruining um, food, actually. So, uh, so free plug. There you go. Well, free plug for something I assume you enjoy. All right. Well, while you enjoy that, Carlton, what are you drinking? I've got another uh, Fentimins from friend of the show, Jason. Uh, and this time it is uh, Cherry Colt. I, I don't know why I'm showing the microphone. Let me show yeah. the camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long Sorry. day. Here you go, listening device. <laughs> Yo, I don't know, man. I don't know if our brains are in the right place to do this podcast today. <laughs> no, I think I think our brains are in the perfect place right there. I'm go- uh, yeah, so it's another uh, botanically brewed uh, drink from Fenimans, uh Cherry Cola. It, with, it's also got ginger and herbal yeah. extracts. Ooh. So it's faking that it's healthy. It's fake healthy. Jonathan, bringing up the rear. What are you drinking? Once again, bringing up the dairy air. Uh, this is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Magic Muscular tonight. 
Just straightforward uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. It is once again Diet Cola, Vodka, and Lime Juice. And tonight's shot of Fireball to be consumed at the casting of Fireball, or the equivalent spell thereof, is dedicated to Olo Monster. Thank you so much for your support, and this shot of Fireball is for you, Olo. Yay! Monster. My my guess is because right now Jonathan is at the the Watchful Order of Magus and Protectors copying his entire spell book and adding identify. So that's basically going to take most of the day. We'll be catching up with you in a little bit. But my feeling on the subject is when that is done, that right there deserves a shot of fireball because that is your entire spell book. But first, before we get to that point... All right, so last we left off, two of our heroes had just entered the Gnomish Enclave and were entering the house slash communal area of Venmilla Istora, who is the priestess of Jarl Glittergold and the community elder for the Gnomish Enclave in Waterdeep, having left Shadow and Coco Snoot outside to play with the variety of children who are more than happy to pet a puppy. You guys enter she invites you to sit at a small table that she's got starts making some tea and says so what can i help you with um well oh so we met the devil did i tell you that part did we tell her that part i I don't think we told her that part the devil more like a devil you mentioned the last time you were here in passing i wasn't sure if you were talking about a literal or a figurative, but now I sense you mean literal. Hmm, where to begin? Uh, this is Travancore. Hello. <laughs> she gives you a, a head bow and says, it's a pleasure to meet you. Likewise. He, um, his family kind of sucks, which is, unfortunately, if you're not Carlton, rather a theme in our group, his cousin did a bad thing, and we had to fix it. And as it turned out, that bad thing involved a fiend. Was it a fiend? I can't even remember. Like, it was a fiend, I believe, yeah. It's like, Bernie's good at religion. Julia's not. It's all right. Involved a fiend. We weren't able to destroy her. I'm not sure if we are able. That's sort of what I'm here about. And she's going to pull the, the medallion out of her pocket and say, We left with this. And she'll hold out her hand and you'll give it to her? Mm-hmm. And she'll turn it over in her hands and look at it, kind of trace her finger along the, the etching on the one side that is some sort of name that nobody can read. And she gives it a, a weird cockeyed look and you, you see her mutter a few words under her breath. You've seen Jonathan do this kind of thing before, but it's not a, a spell. It's a, it's a prayer. And she grips it a bit tighter and she says, this is dark, dark magic. Yeah. This was used to summon this devil, was it not? Yes. There was also a book. I destroyed the book. That's good. Anything that can be used to bring anything from the Nine Hells here is of course grave danger to all who walk the material plane. This, what do you intend to do with this? Well, that, that's sort of why we are here. Theoretically, this can summon this, 
why didn't we call her Taylor? This can summon this. <laughs> what oh. did we call? Uh, Anorak. <laughs> I had it written down in my other book. The Taylor. An- <laughs> I, I want to say Anorak. Yeah, it was Anorak. Yeah. Okay, cool. This can summon Anorak. <sighs> my problem is, I'm not sure when we destroy it, no one can summon her. But does that mean she can come and go? I don't want to destroy this and lose all power to destroy her. Or let her destroy this and suddenly she's here and we can't get rid of her. Those are reasonable concerns, but I can at least allay a a few of them. It is very difficult to travel between the material plane and the nine hells. There are many wards and measures in place to prevent anything from the nine hells from coming here and anything from here going there unless they have died and that is where their soul is consigned normally devils who come who seek a way to come to this plane are here to corrupt the souls of the living that is how they gain their power that is how they gain their armies they use Mortal souls who pass away and are consigned to one of the many underworld realms for power as slaves, as armies. It is difficult for them to get here, and many of the forces of, of this world will hunt, hunt them down uh, for obvious reasons. They are, they are dangerous and deadly and are are beguiling even in their power. They can come on their own will, but it is it is difficult. This, and she looks down at the, the medallion, this and this book and anything else that was used to summon this devil is a different kind of danger. This compels a devil to come here and places certain restrictions on their arrival, certain uh, attempts to control. Although in truth, it is, it is a fallacy. It is only a veneer of control. It is temporary control before they can exert their power, before they can break free. But with these objects, someone can summon something f- from the nine hells and this and she kind of turns the the medallion over and points to where the the etchings are this is the true name of one such creature i figure this this devil that you have spoken of it would be hers i mean highly likely she wanted it destroyed pretty badly and she didn't want to tell us what was actually on there it would be her true name which is so powerful against a fiend that I could understand why she would want it destroyed. It would be in everyone's best interest to destroy it. Anyone who seeks to summon a creature of that evil power, there can be no good to come of that. And... It's bad enough that these creatures could come to our realm on their own. For us to actively seek them out is is a horror I cannot imagine. And she passes the medallion back to you and she says, 
The good news is the rituals to summon such a creature are complex and require more than just this this amulet and that book. <laughs> I'm not going to admit to knowing much about this, but my understanding is it requires a blood sacrifice. Oh, yeah, we we sort of gathered that when we were there. So the good news is this is not the kind of thing that even if it were to fall into the wrong hands could be easily activated. There would be things that are necessary. But this is probably the most powerful part of that type of ritual, and I cannot tell you how to destroy it. It is tied intrinsically to how it was made, and the keys to figuring that out lie in figuring out how it was created. Well, so, uh, remember how I told you that Travancore had a family that wasn't so great sometimes? He's sort of Curse? Are we calling it a curse? It's a curse. Oh, the curse on my family. Van Milla looks over at you, Travancore, and says, What? So your family, did your cousin make a deal with this devil? It definitely seems that way. Like that's, uh, well, but the original deal, oh, I don't know how much I should go into at this point, but suffice it to say, my, my human ancestor, the human part of my family comes from very, 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 very far away. And they came to the land that is my country now. They mingled with the elves, lived in peace for a while. But then there was strife in the kingdom. And in order to bring peace to that kingdom, one of my ancestors made a deal, apparently with Anorak, to rise to power, to become kings and queens of Rakanum in exchange for our family being afflicted with madness, potentially. And with every generation, we are all born with a certain propensity to, I guess, what I would call mental illness. And per when we asked her about it, and she was under his own of truth, they said that in exchange for the power, that's the price we paid. Like, so as long as my family exists, we will be afflicted with madness. It's very possible that my cousin, who did summon this demon, was afflicted with that same madness. Those kind of deals are complex. And if it's not a curse... A curse can be accidental. A curse can be brought on without your own knowledge. This is... Your ancestor would have had to be a willing participant, and I fear that you suffer the consequences of that action. Now, those contracts are binding and lengthy and terrible, but if you can find the original contract or if this devil is the one that made that contract and you can learn the full terms there may be something you can do maybe there is something you can do to fulfill this contract and end it but without knowing the full details there is nothing i know that can help you or your family. Funny thing that, I actually asked her what the full terms were, and she relayed to me what I relayed to you. And she told me that was the deal. 
Bernie had cast Zona Truth, so as far as I know, that part is honest. I don't know if she has the ability as a fiend to withhold the full terms and conditions when she's compelled to speak the truth. Zone of Truth compels the truth, but it does not compel all the details. And devil contracts are notorious for loopholes and riders and fine print and pieces that could be considered small or incidental. If she could have answered your question with just the basics of what was included in the contract and not go into those details, then that's what she would have done. There may be more, and I wish you luck in finding that original contract, because that is... And she kind of looks sideways at where Bernie's holding this medallion. And then she says, because that contract would be all I could think of to get more information. Hmm. Okay. Do you know where your family would keep it? Something this incendiary and sensitive would have, if anywhere, would either be in the palace in our capital city, or it would be a different location. It's... I've, I didn't even know about... I knew something had happened, but as far as the actual physical text of the contract, like the full details of it were not known to me until until just now. So I think at some point, I have to go home, but I don't know that it's a pressing need, because as long as she can't come back... She can only come back with great expenditure of energy, and the only way someone's going to bring her back is if they have that medallion. So in theory, as long as that is with us, it's safe. Yeah, I I can hold on to it. I do not see. I would keep it hidden. I would keep it out of sight. I would be very careful who you asked about it, because the if what I believe to be true is true, and that medallion holds the true name of this devil, who you call Anorak, but my suspicion is that is not her true name. What is listed on here is, and that is powerful information that would be valuable to many people, even if they never intended to summon her. So while you search this information out to destroy it, my suggestion is to keep it hidden. Well, aside from us, the only other person who knows about this is you. And... I would assure you I would tell nobody. I would have no reason to summon such a creature. And she gives Travancore a really long look and she says, there is one other thing that you should know, but it pains me to even bring it up because I don't wish for this to sound like a suggestion. So what you need to say? There is one other place, an infernal contract like the one that your family is bound to would be, besides in the, in the property of your family, it would be with that devil. She would have a copy. But knowing, know that even asking her, she might make demands or ask for addendums. And I, I would hope that you, of all people, would understand how dangerous bargaining with a creature like that would be. Yep. That's how Evelyn died. Well, Bernie killed Evelyn, but really, that's what led to her demise. I did. Any any consort with any of the beings of the Nine Hells invites your own destruction. 
and the hand that deals the blow is is inconsequential at that point. And she kind of sits back in the chair and she sighs and she says, but as long as you do not intend on summoning her and you can keep this medallion safe and away from prying eyes, then there should be no immediate worry about it. I wish I had more idea of how to destroy it, but this... This is this is a, a quest your family has been on for generations, I would assume. One would think that someone before me was working on a way to get around this. Oh, everyone who goes into a contract with the devil eventually tries to get out of it. That is the nature of things. We regret the seeds we sow. But until you know the details... And she kind of leaves it at that and shrugs. Hmm. Last time I was here, you had really good tea and lemon cookies. Oh, yes, the tea. And she kind of perks up a little bit and heads on over to where she's had. She's done the thing in where she turned on the stove and got it heated up and then didn't put the teapot on the stove. So that's why you haven't been interrupted by it. So she's like, oh, I'm I'm so sorry. This was I was so worried. And then she starts to, to prepare some tea, giving the two of you a moment and gathering some cookies. They're really good cookies. I think we should probably take some for Carlton. I don't know if we can kill this devil yet. No, and we definitely can't go home yet. If my father is afflicted with any even a little bit of the madness, he is far more formidable than Evelyn would be, and Evelyn almost killed me. Well, I mean, as long as your father isn't sticking a sludge dragon on us, and we don't have to chase him through the dark, we might stand a better chance against him. But at the same time, if... If you bring three people and some animals to kill your dad, I'm pretty sure it's going to be viewed as an assault against the state of Perconum. It almost certainly will, and we're not there yet either. Like, four of us are not ready to take on an entire country, let alone this country. Yeah. So, my thought is, the immediate danger has passed, and there is another simple way out of the contract. And? I'm the end of the line. As far as I know, I have no other relatives. I have no descendants. When I die, the curse is lifted. That's true. Time will take care of it. Like, it's not... Perconum is a good country. With a bad ruling family. They deserve the chance to make their own lives for themselves. I mean... Travancore, what if you want a family? It's not about what I want. It's about... Where my responsibilities lie. What's what's best? And at this point, Vinmilla returns. She's got the teapot. She she lays out uh, a small plate with what look like some some really lovely basic sugar cookies and some lemon cookies and a a pot of tea and and pours some for all of you and says, "Is there anything else that I can help you with? I f- I feel like all I've done is given you bad news, even though I would hope some of this is at least enlightening." May I ask you a question? Of course. Anyone who's beholden to this contract, I don't want to say a rational person, because that implies that belief in the supernatural, the metaphysical, is irrational, and clearly it's not. I have had Bay intervene on my behalf many times enough to know, by observation, that there is something to it. But it is nevertheless beyond the ability of the scientific method to, to pierce. So, I'm trying to figure out when... 
when I die or when my family, they all died, did they become the, the domain of this scene? It would depend on what was involved in the contract. If the contract just said that they would be afflicted with, you said there was a madness involved? Yes. Then not necessarily. My suspicions are usually our souls are judged by our actions. And anything like a problem of the mind, a problem of the body that would cause an insanity would be weighed and judged fairly by those who would judge us. But if the contract that you speak of stipulates that the, the payment is madness, then... I wonder if any of the actions taken under that madness would be stained on their souls. Knowing the person who drafted the contract or the being that drafted the contract, I would think so. And while that is troubling, that is also heartening, because if any of your family were able to resist doing anything so detrimental as to be consigned to the Nine Hells, even under this affliction... There would be no reason for them to be taken there. But, once again, without the full contract, I cannot say. But I do know that unless it says in the contract specifically that your soul is payment, then it is up to your own actions and your own fate. Have you been a good person? And she kind of locks eyes with you intently at that moment. She says, have you? No. Not yet, at least. But I'm trying to be. Sometimes, trying in time is all we can ask. And she hands you some tea. I, I sip the tea. Meanwhile, Bernie's mouth is like, shit monk stuffed with lemon <laughs> cookies. And she's like looking between you, and it's like really awkward, and she's like... But that's very good cookies. Very good. Really good. <laughs> it's tasting just for cotton. And Josh is. Oh, shit. Well, while you guys sip some tea and have some cookies, we're going to skip ahead in time a little bit. Okay. Um, so I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to talk to her about. Uh, so think about that for a second. But Jonathan, it's been a long day. But you have managed, with, with a little bit of help, to copy your entire spellbook, and did you have the required components necessary in order to add identify? Yes. All right. As a first level spell, it required 100 gold. So that got added to your spellbook. It was brought to you from the uh, the silent archives, and uh, you were able to, to copy that over. And just before you leave, as the sun is setting, and this has taken all day, and you're you're tired, but you know it's it's kind of that happy tired. Mm-hmm. Arasic actually finds you again, and he's got the sword. And before you leave, he says, So I, I have a little bit of news about this. And he holds up the sword, and he says, And a few other things. Uh, but, but first, do you have the amulet that I gave you? Travancore has the amulet. One moment, Aras. And so Jonathan the Magimuscular points at his head and transmits a message to Travancore saying, sup buddy, 
Aras is asking about the uh, amulet. Come by the Amethyst Acropolis ASAP. Your buddy, Jonathan the Muscular. Jonathan the Muscular out. Is this message or is this your new thing where you get this to like sending. chat? This is sending? Just okay. sending. Travancore, would you like to respond? I respond back, 10-4, good buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, you, you complete that sending. And I say, all right, uh, he'll be along when he can, uh, which actually, I don't know. I actually don't know where they went, but they're in the city. So yes, we can bring that back. And if you're not around, would it be okay to leave it with Razo? That would be just fine. Okay, I, great. I managed to get that as a uh, on loan. And if you do not need it anymore, then it would go a long way towards helping you and your group to get that back. Oh, as for this. Olo. Third level's belt. Fireball shot. Hmm. As for this, and he hands over Vorfindal, he says, unfortunately, there wasn't enough time to, to bring you into the study, but we were able to find a little bit of information about it. And he kind of rifles around in his, his pack and pulls out a piece of paper that has scrawled what looks like about a paragraph worth of information. And he said, um, we were able to do a little bit of research and we think this might help a little bit with... You, you were looking to break the curse on this weapon? Right. Like, make it so that if the next person who wants to use it to its full power or whatever power it has left uh, doesn't get afflicted by the, hey, I'm going to kill my teammates curse. Fortunately, elvish weapons, while much information is lost and many of the, the books that we have on them are transcriptions of oral history, we, we were able to find this tidbit of information that might give you some information on doing something with this weapon. I, I would once again encourage you to be incredibly careful as, and he hands over the piece of paper and says, as anyone who attunes to this weapon is subject to its curse, and I would hate for this to cause any more death and destruction than it already has. So if you decide against this course of action and want it held, we have a safe place for that. Hmm. And he hands over the piece of paper and he says, and was there anything else you need? I think that's it. I'm going to be, uh, I need to see what the rest of my team thinks about what we've talked about. And maybe even we've been busy and I do need to get to greenness at some point, but again, that may not be completely up to me. So we will, I will get back to you. We're going to be in town. We're not going anywhere for a while. So uh, why don't you... I'm going to take this information, but why don't you guys keep the sword for now? And he he takes it back and you can kind of see that like he relaxes a little bit when you say that. He's like, okay, good. We will uh, have this stored away for you in the vault, in the safest place that I know in the city. And if you do find a way to break this curse, then... It is yours again, and if not, then we will keep it locked away for as long as is necessary. Okay. Destroying these weapons is difficult. Right, and I would imagine it's even more difficult to, like, destroy a very specific part of it. Like, you're, it's one thing to just to sunder the weapon, but to break just the one little attribute, that one little curse, 
Uh, yeah, I could see where that might be difficult. It might be difficult. Tell your friends. Thank you. Will do. Uh, and I'm going to... I, I will be seeing you. Thank you so much. Jonathan, the match muscular out. And I walk away. And he says, thank you, Master Sick. You catch out of the corner of his eyes. You say, Jonathan, the magic muscular out that he just kind of shakes his head and sighs. And you, you <laughs> could have swear you hear under his breath, fate changers. And then you walk out. Bernie and Travancore, was there anything else you wanted to chat with Venmilla about? Nah. We're good. Yeah. yeah I do mention to Bernie that, uh, like, to Jonathan had, had kind of gave us a call, told us to mosey over to the Amethyst Acropolis. Did he say if Carlton was with him? I don't recall. I don't remember him mentioning Carlton at all. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> we have a lost child. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you know, that's solvable. I've got um spells now that I think can solve that, actually. And we have a pygmy owl. Bucks can fly and keep an eye out for him. It wouldn't be hard to find. Yeah, he is big and green, so that is I think you guys are going to take your leave of Venmilla, head over to the Amethyst Acropolis, drop off the the am- amulet that he gave you? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where we're going. Okay. For the, the sake of brevity, unless there's something specific you'd like to do with Razo, he's happy to just take it and make sure it gets to the right people. And is there, at that point, is there anywhere else you want to go or are you just going to head back to the Golden Rock Tavern? I think we head back to the tavern. Same. I've okay. I've been saying that a lot lately. Same. I have to pee. Same. We head back to the tavern and Julia pees. We want to thank Polymorph Crafts for sponsoring this episode. Polymorph Crafts offer stylish and affordable ways to carry everything you need to a game day and stay organized at the table. Mimic chests, hero vaults, and tankers offer a variety of ways to bring a dice tower, rolling tray, dice and pen vaults, card stands, coasters, and carrying space to all your games. So check out polymorphcrafts.com and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at polymorphcrafts. That's polymorphcrafts.com. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's an official free-to-play Dungeons & Dragons-based clicker game that you can download right now on Steam. Play with some of the Forgotten Realms' most iconic heroes, like Minsk, Boo, and Dritzt. Characters from Force Grey, like Arkin the Cruel. And even Strix from Dice Camera Action. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for this podcast, and it's always exciting to open chests to see what new gear my champions have. Speaking of chests, thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. Now, this code expires on May 20th, 2018 at 9pm Pacific, so you only have a week to redeem once this episode is posted. Open up your game, go to the shop, and type in this code. P U. N-K-K-Y-E-S-T-R-I-O-J-U-V-E. So use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. Carlton, you dropped off Jonathan at school. Mm -hmm. And what have you been doing all day? Uh, I was like, fuck, I don't know where the Gnomish Enclave is. So I, like, pop my head back in and I go, hey, Razo. Yes! Uh, which way to the Salon District? The, 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 the what? Yeah, if I want to get, like, a mani-pedi and, like, my hair did, where would I go? Oh, uh, you would probably... And he kind of looks down at himself and looks back up and says, I 
don't normally go to those kind of places, but you might want to check in near where all of the rest of the, the shops are and and see. I'd go to the, the fancier part of the district, I guess. All right, come on. And he's giving go. you a very confused look. He's, no, come on. You're uh, coming with. We're getting Manny Petties. No, I've got... No, no, come on. I've got a job here that I have to do. I'd, no, it's fine. We'll leave a note. Roll a persuasion check. Come on. Please give me... Please let it be high. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, 15? With a 15, he gives you a long look and he says, Will, how about it just... I'm buying. How about just lunch? But, who, who, like, they take a while. I'm going to need someone to talk to. Like, I don't want to talk to the person giving me the Manny Petty. <laughs> okay, how about... And he kind of reaches back and runs his hand right, through we'll his kind of wild, unkempt hair. And he's like, how about just the haircut? And he All looks right. down at his nails and he's like, I don't have claws, so I don't know what I would do. And I really only, like, I have a lunch break, but that's about it. So really, we got to keep this short. Yeah, we're going to treat ourselves. Okay. And he goes with you. So yeah, Razo and I are going to have a spa day. Well, no, he's he's agreed to a spa lunch. <laughs> Um, you head to, actually, where, where do you head? Uh, into the fancy part of town where he told me to go. Okay, you head into the fancy part of town, you're looking for a place for, Yeah, haircut, uh, haircut. and petties. Go ahead and roll an investigation check. Six! <laughs> Alright, you find what looks like, what would be exactly that, like, uh, Manny Petty, uh, hair care, uh, it's got the hoity-toity smells coming outside of it and lotions and, and things. And when you go walking on in, there is a guy in a mustache that's, it's one of those really long, thin mustaches that curl up, like, way outside of his face. And it curls, like, two or three times. He's got hair quaffed back. It goes up and back and down into a mullet, this black, slicked hair. He's wearing a tailored suit with a really thin tie and all around you are chairs and uh, mirrors on the walls but you don't see any other people and he looks at you and he says ah how much do you want off most i want to for me uh like short and tight and then like trim the beard because it's getting a little it's getting a little mountain manny and you, and he looks over at Razo, and Razo goes, I just need the, just, just, just a little bit, just, just, and then this, this gentleman, he points at you, Carl, and he says, sit, and he points at a chair. Plop. And he points to another chair to Razo, and he says, sit, and Razo obediently plops in a chair, and then this guy claps his hands a couple times. And these two other gentlemen come walking out. They are, this gentleman seems to be a human imposing figure, though, with the, the mustache and the hair. The The two gentlemen that come walking out from a back room are both elvish descent, completely bald, hairless, wearing just like smocks, bare feet. And they've got this weird sandalwood scent that you can't quite place. And both of them move to different... One of one of them goes to you, Carlton. One of them goes to uh, Razzo. And the gentleman that comes to you, Carlton, under kind of under his breath very, very softly, as though, he, as though he's whispering a secret to you, he says, Stay very still. Okay. And then he pulls out a straight-edge razor. And he says, It is important that you stay very still. And then you hear, like, water running and lathering 
and you kind of hear it from the other side of the room. I'd, I'd like you to roll a constitution saving throw. Yes! I was right. hoping you had to roll one of those. Aww. <laughs> Ooh, 19. It's pretty solid. Okay. As he whispers to you and you, you feel lather on your head, you feel um, warm water, and then he brings out the straight edge and, and he's basically whispering. Do you speak Elvish? Nope. In Elvish, he's whispering something under his breath, but it's, it's very soothing, whatever it is. He's just like, And me and John do and all you hear is like as hair is being scraped off of your head over on the other side of the room you hear Razo every once in a while giggle you don't know what's going on over there every once in a while you just hear go and it's it's a it's kind of a weird but soothing experience and you almost think that he might be trying to put you in a trance or to sleep or something. But uh, eventually, after five minutes, ten minutes, an hour, you're not exactly sure. He says, And you are done. And he stands up and like he pats you down. He bows to you and leaves. And just about that time is like you, you watch this this elf leave. The other one that came in to take care of Razo is also doing the same to Razo. Razo now has like perfectly quaffed hair. Um, his he he was clean shaven, but now he looks like baby faced clean shaven. They've trimmed the hair that was coming out of his ears, and he has this kind of beautific smile on his face that looks a little bit bemused and as he makes eye contact with you he grins and he's like Carlton you look handsome thanks bud you look great too and the gentleman that had greeted you when you come on in in the, in the suit with the tie with the crazy mustache he comes walking up to you with a little pocket mirror and shows you your face and you can see your beard is perfectly trimmed you are clean shaven to the point that one would think that you don't have hair that ever grows there uh same kind of thing just perfectly quaffed he has also removed all of the hair on your arms and legs and somehow has laundered your clothes although you don't remember them coming off hey man that 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 speech he gave me woof, so soothing yes we are very specialized here. Did that come with the mani-pedi or is that extra? And I like hold my hands up. And you can see, Carlton, while you haven't, I wouldn't call it a mani-pedi, your fingernails have been cleaned. Okay. You don't remember anyone getting in there with like a chisel or something, but like for the first time in as long as you can remember, there's no dirt under your fingernails. Yeah, there was a lot. There, There is no longer. It's weird. You don't remember that happening. The gentleman holds out a palm uh, to you and says, two gold, five silver. Uh, I hand him three. I hand him four gold for. And I said, for the uh, for the gentleman, the extras for the gentleman that took care of me and my friend. And he looks over at the gentleman. He says, that was also two gold, two silver. Oh, I got him. So I'll throw in another two gold. So six okay. gold total. He takes it and pockets it, and bows to you, and says, please always return to Gary's house of repose. Gary's House of Repose. I'll be sure to bring my friends. You bring everyone. <laughs> you are all very dirty. We are fate changers. Yes. It's a dirty line of work. 
But there's people like you that make it all the worthwhile. Come also, back with more money and more dirt. Great mustache. It's a real sense of menace coming off of this cosmetologist. <laughs> he is super, like, he doesn't smile. He's, like, very, uh, like, serious eye contact. He almost looks pissed in a weird way. But, yeah, he's, he. you say that and he says, that is because we are perfect with hair. Oh, I also lift my armpit. Do I smell like sandalwood? Uh, actually, you smell like nothing because you didn't request any scent, but you are, like, there's no hair there. Gone. Um, do you have any of that scent that your guys had? Because I would like it in a to-go bottle, if possible, because I know a friend of mine who's going to be like, Carlton, you smell bad today, and will just spray it on me? Yeah, Barney doesn't like perfume. He reaches into his pocket. Carlton doesn't know that, so... He reaches into his pocket and pulls out a bottle that... It's this long, slender glass bottle with um, this engraved vine along the side. And when he pulls it out of his pocket, you have this moment where you're like, how how did that glass bottle fit in his pocket? It's got this amber liquid inside. And he holds it out to you and he says, one gold. I hand him a gold. He hands you the bottle. He says, less is more. Noted. Not to drink. Okay. And I like lower it a little bit so it's not as close to my face and i like take i like un- is it i guess a little cork uh it's a, a twist off twist off top. yeah so i twist it off and i like put my finger on the top and i like tip it and then i just put like it like dab my finger just twice like one on one on each side of the neck and then i screw it back on and there's a moment when he when you do the second dab that his eyes narrow just a tiny little bit and then when you screw it back on he relaxes like just a, a touch and then he looks over at Razo and he says for you and Razo says, uh, no, I'm good, thank you. And Razo is, like, very slowly backing away. <laughs> He's, like, trying to walk out. He's like, yeah, thank you. No, this was wonderful. It's, and you are, yes, Gary's House of Repose. I, I will let everyone, the, 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 Carlton, we should go. We should go. <laughs> right, and the guy is go. still locked eyes with you, Carlton. Yep, we're going. And then we leave. Uh, and as we're walking back to the... Amethyst Acropolis, I realized I wasted all of, not wasted, I took all of Razo's lunch. Uh, and so I see if there's like a food cart on the way that I can buy him a quick bite to have on the way home. He actually, b- before you can do that, he says, no, it's okay. I, I, I brought my lunch. I, I was, I'm trying to be a little more healthy. And he pats his paunch because this is not a, like he is a, a, a stout halfling. He's, he is round. And he says, I'm, t- I'm trying to, to watch my figure. You know, it's really good for that. Fighting cave dragons. Uh, yes, if I wanted to... Quite the workout. I would imagine, but, but I not would... not enough for my stature. I will just do some squats at my, my desk and eat my salad. Thank you. I appreciate this, though, and he he motions at his now perfectly quaffed white hair that's just, like, in... It, it just exquisite, his baby face, and he says, Please tell everybody that I said hi, and uh, I, I, will, I, will, I will see you soon. All right. See you, bud. Bye! And he heads back to the Amethyst Acropolis Hill, except the Travancore, when you walk up, when you stop on by, he's happy to accept the um, the necklace from you. Uh, and eventually the evening comes and you guys are all back at the Golden Rock Tavern. Is there anything you would like to do in the evening or chat amongst yourselves before you, you take a rest? Um, hey guys, when you left, did you take the, the nut with you? I didn't. Neither did I. I run up to the room. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, you activated that last night. Right, I just want to make, I know, like, if it, it might not still be active, but I want to make sure if it's not active that the nut is at least, like, just on my floor. Go ahead and roll a, go ahead and roll a d12. 12. You go running back into your room. Mm-hmm. Not sure what you're going to see. There is no more teleportation circle. It's gone. Gotcha. I need a perception check. Oh, thank you, natural 20. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> oh my I didn't, god. Oh, hopefully I didn't. Uh, so that's a 26. You have a moment of panic, but you find the nut sitting where you you expect it, perfectly in the center of where the teleportation circle was created. I let out a very... Uh, we gotta be more careful about this. Yeah, we definitely do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was wondering how long it was going to take you to figure that out. I like I thought about this afternoon at lunch at my real job. Yeah. And I was like, shit, I don't think any of us got, like, because Jonathan and I left first, and I don't think any of them saying they closed the portal. Oh, dear God. Yeah. <laughs> We're in Waterdeep. Somebody might have stole that shit. Nope. So you come walking back downstairs, the nut in your pocket. All right, cool. Guys, we're good. We're good. I think one of us just needs to take responsibility for it going forward so that we don't have to take turns with it. I said, since I just said that, I guess it's me. Yep. All right. I, uh, in that case, I like put it on my thumb and I like flip it to him like a coin. Yeah, I catch it. Hopefully, unless I have to roll to see if I catch it. I mean, with I'm your not. dexterity. Okay. Yeah, with your dexterity, and he's not he's not being a sneak attack about this. So no, you're easily no. catch it out of the air. We're like a lot size heavy. Like- yeah. Yeah. Nope. No problem. Uh, Travancore, I do yeah. have news about the uh, about the sword, and I hand over the the paper. Okay. And it's like this is what they could find. Uh. The TLDR. I would actually, out of out of deference to our listeners, would someone mind reading that out loud? I'll read it. When elvish weapons are turned against their kin in anger and hatred, it sullies beautiful grace into terrible power. Many broke under the strain of such a weight, while others suffered marred fates. Oral history tells of Queen Cyridan and the Wood Elves. Her son and daughter were slain in battle by an Eladrin overcome with bloodlust, wielding a bright elven flame sword. She invited the blade into her own chest, and as the sword was plunged into her heart, she laid upon it a dreadful curse. Its wielder would go mad with relentless battle fury until they killed both friend and foe. Time and time again, elves tried to use the cursed blade, but when the fight would end, they would be overcome with blind rage and continue to slaughter kin and clan. The curse could not be broken, for no elven queen agreed to bless such a blade, and eventually it was discarded and lost to time. Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah. It'll make it a little easier for our listeners. So what I hear is we gotta find a queen to bless this blade. Yeah, you know a queen, Travancore? Well, An elven half- queen, specifically. She's- yeah, I mean, I was thinking mom, but she's half-elven. So I'm not sure that'll do the trick. How's Grandma? How's Grandma doing these days? Uh, she is long since Pat. God rest her soul, but she is long since gone gone to rest. You know, if we do ever, if we do ever make it out to Perconum, that might be something to consider to take the sword with us and see if your mom can do anything. Technically speaking, it is state property, so I would have to bring it back. Uh, for now, are you okay with it staying at the Amethyst Acropolis? The way, yeah, I mean, if it's a period of 10, 15 years, I don't think it's a huge deal. I could, worst case scenario, I could grant Razo a life estate for the sword and then have him make arrangements to return it to me, to me upon the end of his natural life. It's, as long as it's safe, that's the, 
that's the key thing. It's just, and as long as the property rights have not been yielded by me or anyone from from my country, I I think we're fine. Travancore, roll a history check. History is actually not too bad. It's a plus six because I'm proficient in history. All right, so twelve. Yeah. You know from studying the Sword Coast before you came over here that there's many elven tribes, full elves of all sorts. And while entreating with one of their queens could be difficult, you don't necessarily have to go back to your mom. There there would be other queens that you could go to. Oh, so like we do a quest for them as a favor and then they they take care of our, your property. And... My my station would probably allow me slightly easier access. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean you can even find. I mean, uh, how do elves feel about half elves though? I thought it won't good. It depends on the elves. They, yeah, I mean, I think the vibe I got, depending on where they were from, was that oh, it's a human guy over there, and now, when I talk to humans, it's like that elven guy over there. It's kind now, of Travancore. I don't want to sound like I'm ignorant. You're going to though, aren't you, I, babe? Probably. <laughs> what kind of elf is your half part? Is it wood? Is it high? Like, because then maybe they would be more accepting, you know, if you went to your kind. Not having specified this in my backstory, I make an executive call that because Burkana was basically, you know, woods when the when his pe- human ancestors came, I'm just going to say they're wood elves. Okay. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying okay. Carlos is like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> um... Well, that might tie into what I had talked to Erasic about. I did bring up the fact that he that we could be available for jobs for the Amethyst Acropolis as an away team, uh, yeah, uh, fixers, uh, whatever you want to call us. I mean, we can. We've clearly been able to get stuff done. He was a little hesitant because, so when we were in Chult, I didn't know this at all. There's a death curse, or there was. That's one of the reasons why the ranks of the Amethyst Acropolis are so... And, and the, he kind of, like, gets everyone in. Actually, ten minutes later, he stops for ten minutes. It's like... And all of your minds open up as the channel opens. Uh, he goes, I think I should talk about it like this because it may be sensitive information for the Order. But their ranks were depleted by this death curse in Chult. We weren't the only ones to go out there. And the only reason why we went out there is because everyone else had been had been killed in trying to rein this curse in. And apparently they were successful, but it severely depleted the adventuring ranks of the Watchful Order. I'm guessing a death curse is exactly what it sounds like. Jonathan the Magimuscular explains how if you had been resurrected, you, one, you couldn't be resurrected at all, but Thanks. I mean, Queen Bay wouldn't have visited you, uh, Bernie, and, and said what she said if did, you weren't. Did, did Bernie tell you that Queen Bay visited her? Oh, I guess not. So, okay. So, <laughs> Jonathan the Magimuscular just says apparently, Aras says the curse is lifted. So, people can be rezzed now. But while the curse was going, nobody could be rezzed. And those who had been resurrected before wasted away and died. Uh, that's, that's why. creepy. Wow. The adventuring population of the Watchful Order is me. Yeah, Arasic also, he, he did mention it wasn't just of the Watchful Order. Right. Lots of adventurers went out and, and died 
in trying to rein in this curse. But that's one of the reasons why we have this opportunity with the Order is because now, if they need something done a long way away, they don't have the resources to do it anymore. It also means that if we did a job for the Watchful Order, we would be on our own. There would be no reinforcements or anything like that to rescue us if something happened. But frankly, we have operated on our own anyway. There wasn't anyone to rescue us in the Crypt Garden. No, there wasn't. No one to rescue us down in the Undermountain. Nope, not there. Nor against anything else we've came up against. So, pretty much we do what we've been doing before, only now with some of the resources of the Amistad Acropolis behind us. Right. We're no longer... It, depending on where we go, sort of like the our chult job, we wouldn't be limited to walking distance. Well, that's kind of nice. And we so basically, we're no longer mercenaries, but a adventuring. <laughs> really, at that moment, at that moment, blue, blue here, and I throw blue some I mean, bacon. We're kind of still mercenaries, <laughs> and and blue immediately and goes running across the floor, going after the bacon. All right. Um. It. In that moment, also, Gestock comes to you, the the owner of the Golden Rock Tavern. He's got a towel in his hand as he's kind of wiping off his hands. And then as he approaches you, he reaches into his pocket and says, uh, well, while you were gone, the, a message was left for you. And he hands it to Bernie. Oh, okay. And you unfold this piece of paper and it. Crayon doesn't exist in this world, but you could swear that Seekin has found a a crayon <laughs> and he has written on it. <laughs> you said you owed me a favor. When you can, help, help, help. Seekin. Uh-oh. And with that, <laughs> we'll stop for the evening. And next time we'll pick up uh, right there, <laughs> where where Seekin has left you a message about returning the favor. Let me give you some experience, and we will end for the night for a interesting conversation about contracts and devils and lemon cookies. For uh, Jonathan getting information about the sword. For Manny Petty time, <laughs> even though it ended up just being hair time. What else was I gonna do? <laughs> Anything. It's D&D. I don't know, but now I do. And now I, I and now you now know about Gary's House of Repose, because why not? I'm going to give you guys a total of 3,500 experience to split between the four of you. And next time, when we get together, we can discuss the what's going on with your friend Seekin the Druid. Because who knows? Because he found a crayon. He's seeking some trouble. Oh, nope. We're done. We're done. You are now death cursed. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Year patrons. Thank you Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, That Indian Dude, Michael Lapointe, aka Vazarus, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.